if I turn off all distractions and, you know, disconnect the Wi-Fi, do all that kind of stuff, how much, like, deep focused work can I actually do in a day? How much deep focused work can I actually do in a week? And I've been trying this for, for maybe the, the, the past few months. And what I found is there is absolutely no way that I can get past five hours a day. I can't do it. Like, and I'm talking like no email, like no social media, no internet, no nothing. This is me sitting down, either reading, trying to solve a problem, um, scripting or writing manuscripts. I cannot for the life of me get past five hours a day and my brain's fried. And and what does that have to say? Why the hell are we killing ourselves, (laughs) even doing a seven or an eight hour day, um, when you really can't, at least personally for me, just get beyond that um, that, that five-hour um, or even a six-hour threshold. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. How are you, James? I am a beautiful flower in a field of weeds. <laughs> well, what were you expecting One of those... me to say? Yeah. It's taken, it's the I thing don't... you do, the way you heard it. Welcome to the Everything Hurts podcast. It's taken us an hour to get a working hardware set up, and we both feel like killing ourselves. How are you, Daniel? <laughs> that is, um, that that is pretty much it. That's surprisingly <laughs> accurate. <laughs> well, <sighs> we um we had a ton of feedback from our episode last week, which was looking at work life balance in academia. Mm. Probably the most we've gotten for any episode so far. So for this episode, we're going to jump straight into it and um, first go through some of the some of the feedback that we got and some of the things that people were saying. Uh, about work-life balance and academia. And then we're going to jump into some ways that we can try and actually get our work week down into a 40-hour week um, and get a lot of stuff done within a, within a same amount of hours. Um, but also other ways that we can actually uh, pick good labs to work with in the first place, mm. potentially avoiding the, the pressure of doing these, um, doing these uh, 70-hour weeks. So I'm just going to do a few... Uh, a few things that people tweeted and uh, and, and Facebooked us. Um, a, a lot of people were talking about this particular slide, which was making science the center of your life, um, which we'll link to the, the slide itself. But people were mentioning, here's a great guide on how to destroy your physical and mental health. Uh, another person, uh, dear fellow PIs, cut the crap having a miserable life. Do not push others to become sick as well. Uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. The opposite of good advice. Um, um, how not to do academia. Just a ton, a ton of responses like this. So, did was, any um, did anyone say this is the grim reality of? You know, it's, was there any people who endorsed it in a bleak fashion? I mean, we did actually get someone who messaged us over our Facebook page who mentioned this is actually the. The reality in my lab and i thought this was the norm so it was so refreshing to hear uh people actually discuss that no it doesn't have to be this way um so that was one really really good piece of feedback that we got from one of our listeners yeah but, uh, this is look you, you remember when you said way back 
in what feels like about 1844. You said, let's do a podcast about whatever. And I said, I don't want, I talked to you too much already. Piss off. And then you said, <laughs> no, it'll be fun. I'll smile at you twice. And I said, that's an offer I can't refuse. However, I would like it to be about some of the cultural factors involved with doing science. I would. There's an awful lot of podcasts about this week we're looking at a paper and the paper is something I found on a press release and the press release is something released by some university I've never heard of and let's discuss the results of this paper. And they don't know anything about the damn paper. It's it's uh, science podcasts. A lot of the time are, are about the conclusions of science and other people's conclusions of science. They're not about what it's like to do it, you know. Mm. And I know that immediately restricts your audience to other people who have the same questionable life choices as you. <laughs> but. When you get a message like that and someone says, ah, I, I, it's nice to have external validation about something because I don't get to talk about this stuff, which has happened a few times. This is the most recent one. And when I get a message like that, I almost feel like a normal human being <laughs> for about 20 minutes because that's kind of what we wanted to do. Bang on. You agree with me? Yeah, totally agree. So I, I I like the fact that we're having a discussion that is of of utility at least to someone. In mm. in in that kind of sense. You know? We could do a, an IFL science podcast. Oh, look at this week. It's a funny new research paper from the University of Irrelevant Pricks in Bournemouth. <laughs> it's about farts. <laughs> Fuck that. We've got real problems to talk about, man. And, like, overwork is way up there. I mean, bad, bad, bad lab culture. Bad PIs, bad bosses. A lot of them who don't even know they're bad because they were raised in a system that's similarly abusive. Abuse is mm. sort of self-perpetuating in that sense, you know? I had no idea I wasn't supposed to be a prick to people. I mean, it's a, it's a <laughs> hell of a concept, but there are people who legitimately feel like that. Isn't that nuts? Mm, that's crazy. But that's, that, that's, but that's, that's the, reality. the reality of it. Yeah, well said. Hmm. Now, I mean, obviously, most people were were agreeing with this, and there was a a lot of people in there, particularly PIs, going, you know, this sucks, and as PIs, we need to actually change this. But then mm. we got a really interesting comment on uh, on our Facebook page, which was uh, basically talking about, uh, well, this is really the, the the poster mentioned. This is actually a bit of a red queen problem, which you see in evolutionary dynamics. Now, this is the hypothesis which proposes that uh, organisms must, must constantly adapt. Um, not only to gain reproductive advantage, but also just to survive when pitted against ever-evolving opposing organisms in an ever-changing environment. Now, isn't that science, if you ever <laughs> want to describe it? But the whole issue with this is, okay, say say we have you know 80% of PIs going, yep, this is cool, we're going to completely change our lab cultures. That still isn't going to be enough because there's going to be this 20% of people who are, continue, who, who, who are going to continue working and actually potentially make this system untenable. Now, it made me think, okay, well, there's two questions here. 
does the 70-hour week or the 70-hour lab really produce better research? Now, that is, a, that is a particularly good question. Um, I don't know if there's any research on that, and I'll, I'll qualify it with another remark that I got and something that is a factor that you do have to consider. This is something of a mitigating factor. I'll accept this. Some modalities, some experiments, some areas do not lend themselves well to nine-to-five work. Some experiments take hours and hours and hours and hours, and you can only run them till they're done. Sometimes you'll have the tissue to do something or the cells to do something or uh, a behavioral protocol that needs to be run on a particularly strict schedule. I remember a guy from Sydney years ago, he had some absurd learning experiment. Uh, it was a behavioral neuroscience experiment. Um, and it was something like, it was something like rather than exactly. Uh, every 12 hours, the rats need to go through protocol ABC, and it went for 20 days. Oof. Yeah. So if you're thinking, shit, James, doesn't that mean, um, doesn't that mean if he started at 9 a.m. the first day, he would be there at 9 at night out of necessity that same day, and then on for the next 19 days continuously, including weekends? Yeah, it would. Some things dictate a structure like that, and if you want to do them because they are the correct interface to ask a particular question, you don't have a choice. Now, how common is that? Uh, my, my estimation is not particularly common. Most, most experimental modalities are able to be put down so they can be used <laughs> in a sane fashion, but... People who are from an area like that will probably get the impression that you are facing a reality that you can't explain away with. But there's, there's no way around it, really. And it doesn't matter what the labor laws say, and it doesn't matter what people have. Like, like I'm militant about maintaining a proper work-life balance. A few things will dictate that that's not possible. And the other thing is the nature of the work itself. If you, An awful lot of scientific work is, <clears throat> at least a lot of laboratory work, is doing a preparation you've done a million times before, running another PCR, doing, doing, doing whatever else, yeah? For me, a lot of the time, it's like, oh, I'm waiting for this thing to run. Well, how long is that going to take? Ah, oh, ages and ages and ages and ages and ages. What do I do in the meantime? I can't do anything. My computer's tied up. And I start dicking around with it. So there are some qualifications where there are areas where overwork is written into the structure of the investigation. And there mm. are some areas where you could probably do a very large amount of work without it affecting the quality of what you were doing. Now, you have to consider that on the... Here is now the collective field of the social, biological, physical, mathematical, engineering, sciences, etc., everything else. 
And I think when you throw your arms broadly, there's not a lot of places where both of those things are the case. But that is a necessary qualification because I, someone, I, 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 this is the other problem with having too many people talk to you is I know I don't know who to give credit to. Um, (laughs) But I, I saw that point made elsewhere. And someone also brought that to me, and I think there's a, a there's a, there's an essential point there that you can't get around. Maybe it's not a big one. I'll put it in perspective for what you do, seeing as you're here. Imagine trying to clean data, write, as in write an article for a journal, do data mm. analysis, uh, write code in R or Python or MATLAB or whatever the hell you use now. Imagine trying to do that for uh, six 12-hour days in a week. I'll give you Sunday to sleep. <laughs> I the, the quality of that work would be horrible. It would be shit. And an awful lot of the time when you... I feel I feel like a lot of the time when you present anything, if it's a if it's analysis to someone that you're working with, if if it's a a draft to a conference or a journal or something like that, th- th- these pieces of work are full of signifiers of whether or not what you've done has been a careful activity, a detail oriented activity. If I'm on my 60th hour of work for the week writing a paper that's going to be sent to a journal, it's going to be hot, hammered shit. <laughs> it really will not even... I, I thought you can write when you're tired, you can edit when you're tired, but if you don't wake up the next morning with a clear head and come back to it, I mean, if you can and it's great and you have sparkling prose and your ideas make sense and your code doesn't throw exceptions or just shit fit your computer completely that's good that's that's amazing now i don't think a lot of people work like that so in your context think about think about think about your stuff or think about Hmm. the actual interface of talking to people collecting data running an experiment with someone who is mentally ill could you run 70 hours of experiments a week um maybe is it sustainable? No, it's I, I could do utterly this. I unsustainable. Could do I mean, what you say is that you could do it for a week. I could do it for a week if I had to be absolutely pushed and there was proper protocols and everything was automated as possible. Sure. Yes, but, but that would be a that, no a chance. week, and that would be that yeah. would, and then you'd spend probably you'd probably take Monday off and spend it in bed with yeah. like wearing nothing on your feet more serious than your fluffy pink slippers. <laughs> which he has, by the way. They're not metaphorical slippers. They're real slippers. <laughs> and you'd, you'd have to compensate yourself for it afterwards, essentially. Look, I've done heroic racks of experiments before where I've run two four-hour experiments in a day. And you're continually taking things, making recordings, fixing them, talking to people, etc. Um, it's not like I lack energy. People very rarely accuse me of lacking energy. But there's only there's only so much that can be done, and did you? I don't know if I mean I, I again. This is not something that someone sent to me, but I did I did break my ironclad rule and have a look through Twitter. Um, we mentioned this briefly last week. 
if you are socially or formally coerced to stay in one place to do something for long periods of time, you will end up compensating with how you use your time. You will do an online course. You will dick about on The Guardian. You will start reading uh, one of those random websites that has nothing but cats wearing paper hats. <laughs> you know? So the moment you start devaluing the time that you've got to do something, it's. I think that's a... You, there is a, a, a point where when you cross that point and you're just you're sitting at work and you've been there already for seven hours and it's three in the afternoon and you know you're not going to get out while the sun's still up, the temptation to just skive off is amazing. And you sent me the single best thing I've ever seen. This is better than your Twitter client. It's a thing that is pseudocode. It's called it's codereddit.com. Now this the website excellent. the website Reddit, where it's it's an aggregator of I'm sure everyone knows this. It's one of the most popular places on the internet. Everyone knows what it does. It's the content of that delivered in a kind of pseudocode or is it a code that i don't recognize i only looked at it briefly uh, and then i had to stop to laugh and i laughed in one of those debilitating ways <laughs> where i lost the thread of what was going on it's it was amazing and the, the code looks similar ish to our code so you know most of us at least within bi- biological sciences could totally get away with it and it looks exactly like you're, you're writing some functions there I loved it. Thanks to the thanks to uh, I'll see if I can find. Maybe we'll have to find the name later. But yeah, thanks to the listener that that sent it in. Um, that uh, heard about or, or heard about the Excel lookalike Twitter client. It's um, but this, absolutely this Reddit. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, and it does. It's exactly the kind I've. <laughs> why was this invented? This was if you were allowed to just look <laughs> at it. There'd be no need for this. This is invented to solve a cultural problem, right? If if, if someone went, oh, I'm just going to say, oh, boss, I'm skiving off completely for 10 minutes. And yeah. that was culturally appropriate. This website would not exist anywhere. Oh, you know, maybe it's just for people who are super lazy. but Or it could just be for the lols. But still, I'm sure a lot of people use it for its uh, intended use of trying to fool people into actually thinking they're coding when they're just yeah. checking up on uh what's been what's been happening but we'll definitely post a post a link to code code reddit excellent site uh yeah i've, I've got to stop reading it now it's uh <laughs> AM, amd just released the ryzen 500 dollars for an eight core cp oh no put the code away james now i'm skiving off mid podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> Did we get any so, other um did we get any other input? Is there anything else we got sent that we're gonna uh, kick over? We we got uh, one one other thing which is a bit different than what everyone else was saying, which was from Shina Leonard, um, who mentioned that um, you know, we have this problem here, yet the academics who witness this are still too scared to actually name the presenter. Oh yeah. Right. Okay, so whoever whoever did this has not been dropped in it. Yeah, so the, the, someone obviously tweeted it, and I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's up to them whether they want to name who it is or not. Um, but they didn't, and that's fine. But obviously, there's some. I, I wonder uh, you know, what the I wonder what the hesit the hesitance is. Well, it's just publicly calling out someone. 
or if they're senior in your It depends your on what your opinion. It depends on what your opinion of the thing is. You yeah. maybe you maybe but, you maybe you thought it was at least some ways reasonable. It's not. I mean, everyone else is very annoyed with it, but I don't know. It is. It is an interesting decision, though. I, I'm not sure I would have kept it secret. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I'm sure the people who work for this person, who <laughs> they no, no, are really. very well aware. So oh, I think man. then, it, I think it does actually look like, um, you know, that possibly this Red Queen problem isn't actually a problem, because if a seventy-hour week does actually give you better work, then. Mm. The only way that this can possibly change is is if you have systemic incentives. Uh, I know, I think it's in France. There's now a law uh, banning companies from emailing their staff after um, after five p.m. Yeah, um, sure. that's 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 sort of the kind of systemic change that you that you would need almost nationwide for this thing to stop. Um, but here, like now that I now that I think about it, now that we've actually spoken about it a bit. I don't actually think a 70-hour week is going to... Uh, unless it is this sort of, you know, a one-week sprint where you're doing an, doing an experiment. Um, I, I just don't think consecutive 70-hour weeks... Uh, they, they, they're not going to give you better science. So, you may as well just do the reasonable mm. reasonable uh, amount of amount of weeks and um, and save the sanity of your of, of your staff. Okay, here's, here's, a, here's another thing to consider. If someone's hitting you in the back of the head and telling you to do... 70 hours of work. I think that would be far more easily achieved if it was achievable at all by having all those tasks be immediately directed. As in, I don't think a project that, a project that you're specifically working on, it, it feels like something that would accompany you being told what to do and not having a, not having a lot of independence. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because if you're if you're trying to, I don't. What I'm saying is they're like self self directed intelligent work. I I wonder if there's enough space in the week to do that much of it. In the I, way that I, I mean, there is. Or, sorry. I mean, I've actually tested this myself, and I've thought, okay, if I just completely, we might get into this a bit later, but. I thought, okay, if I turn off all distractions and, you know, disconnect the Wi-Fi, do all that kind of stuff, how much, like, deep-focused work can I actually do in a day? How much deep-focused work can I actually do in a week? And I've been trying this for, for maybe the, the the past few months. And what I found is there is absolutely no way that I can get past five hours a day. I can't do it. Like, and I'm talking, like, no email, like no social media, no internet, no nothing. This is me sitting down, either reading, trying to solve a problem, um, scripting or writing manuscripts. Yep. I cannot for the life of me get past five hours a day and my brain's fried. And and what does that have to say? Why the hell are we killing ourselves, <laughs> even doing a seven or an eight hour day um, when you really can't, at least personally for me, just get beyond that um, that, that five hour um, or even a six-hour threshold. It's um, that is that is that there's, is there's interesting. Limits. There definitely there's, are uh, the the problem. I can't remember the last time I had that many uninterrupted hours. 
So this is why I, when you when you're doing writing heavy projects, it's why you end up working into the middle of the night. It's because it's inappropriate for people to talk to you past a certain hour, which means you end up mm. parceling that time off. Um, I get a lot of my most focused stuff done between half past ten at night and two in the morning. Everyone's if different. Sure. If I'm writing, there's absolutely no chance anyone's going to. So I don't feel I don't feel even vaguely guilty about waking up at eight forty-five if I'm working to two in the morning. So. I'm certain but, I can do more hours than that in a day, uninterrupted. But I never do anything like a social media diet thing, a takeaway distractions. More the no, fact the that is, I, I, wait, I wait to be compelled to do something. This is why working with me is such a chore. Um, <laughs> that reminds me. Where, where, you can't, where's that, where's you that can't paper, James? Where's that paper? Where's that paper? <laughs> You wouldn't think that I, I, I actually, you know, I have a boss and I do work for him. So do I. Yeah, I know. But your <laughs> boss lets you do whatever the hell you want. Mine actually has stuff he needs. Yeah. Eh, more or less. But, you know, look, it's this uh, output Output that's just for me is not my priority during work hours. You know that. Of course. Yeah, of course. And um, I've always I've always got a ton of other stuff that's going at any given point in time. So the the Chinese the Chinese plate act doesn't stop at five pm. <laughs> uh, well, it wouldn't. Would it be? Here's a, another thing to consider. What what happens when the, the there's a physicality to a lot of investigation that's not um, that's something that we're not considering here. We're talking about oh, you can do this much specific work, but even just i need to stand up to do a thing i need to stand up and and bend over and get my head under a fume hood i need to pipette something i need to 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 stand up to use a machine i need to move stuff around uh that has its own relationship with the amount of time you can spend doing things yeah mm. i wonder this would this would be a good this would be a wonderful experiment i wonder what would happen is that if there's any policy people listening, you could probably tell me why this is a terrible idea. <laughs> um, I don't know what the minimum wage is, especially in uh, places that I, I've never lived. Like the, I don't the, the minimum wage in the UK, for instance. I have no idea what that is. It changes in state to state in the US, but if you're uh, a postdoc or a PhD student or a junior faculty or something like that and you are compelled to work this many hours I wonder if you are making the hourly minimum wage no chance I, I so no chance anywhere I don't think alright well let's let's look it up the minimum wage in Massachusetts right which is better than a lot of other places you remember Uncle Bernie wanted $15 an hour as the federal? From memory, the federal is $7.25. The minimum wage in Massachusetts is $11 exactly as of the start of this year, right? Yep. Okay. Um, for tipped workers, it's a lot lower, which is the United States being sick and weird. But well, Let's go with 11. Let's, 11 is... I'm, I'm certain that that's the case. So let's get out the old numeric keypad. If we're going to work in America, it's something stupid like 50 weeks a year. So 11 hours times some asshole length week 
let's say 60 as a minimum, right? Yep. 11 yep. times 60 times 50, 50 weeks a year. Okay, that's 33 grand. Now, at the absolute awful end of the postdoctoral scale, that might be that might be close. Yeah. If we quickly do that for 70, that's 38.5. Now, if we take Uncle Bernie's actual minimum wage, 15 times 60 times 50, that's 45 grand. Now, there's definitely postdocs making less than 45 grand. Yeah. But if you're yeah. salaried and you're pushing the, these things, are the, 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 I mean, you are over you are over the hump on a, on a salary perspective if you're working that many hours on a contract that assumes you're working normal hours. Yeah. But mm. you are getting into the territory there where if you're working disgusting hours and minimum wage is higher than it actually was, there is actually a convergence. And that's what you spent 12 years in university for. Unbelievable. That is wrong. So there was a, a moderate amount of bitching when the... Uh, the post, uh, people who represent on a union collective bargaining sort of basis, the postdoctoral people in the United States, want everyone to be paid the NIH minimum. And there were a few newspaper, most newspaper articles about this were sort of, oh, good, okay. Like, who, who knew that when you were a junior scientist, you should make money? Oh, I thought those people <laughs> existed entirely on free conference t shirts and leftover sandwiches. <laughs> who knew they needed wages? Um, there were a few people who came out and bitched a bit about that. And those people should kill themselves. Not much. A little bit. A little bit. In a fun way. I don't know. Look, it's just... I, I, I've, I'm really angry with the short-sightedness that you see from people who don't remember what being in that position is like. It makes me very reactive and unpleasant to see people who are... I mean, I know they've got different concerns, but they, they don't know what it's like to, to, to feel like you went all in on something with your life and then you were abandoned to it before it actually got started because you just can't make stuff work. I think when you forget what that's like and you have people like that working for you, the chances of you being a dick to people are profound. It's depressing, but uh, maybe it's the way of the world. So change the world, James. Thanks, communist voice in my head. Uh, let's take a break, Daniel. I'm going to stretch my back out, go out into the hallway and punch one of my neighbors. Welcome back to Everything Hurts, and uh, we are doing a follow-up episode on work-life balance. <laughs> We're doing a follow-up episode on work-life balance in academia. And for the second half of the show, we're going to be covering how do we actually get stuff done in a realistic 40-hour week. Hey. Um, and- 
actually doing what something about the problem. We're making progress. Making progress. Making progress. How do you how do you, uh, how do you do it, James? I know you have a bit of a schedule which is all over the shop, which is what you prefer. But how do you actually get stuff done when you need to get stuff done? Okay, lots of things. Um, lots and lots and lots of things. Um, I noticed years ago that if you are working with like some people, some people are good with one big interminable task where they always know what's actually coming next. Some people by necessity are receive lots of small discrete tasks. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to do when you wake up in the morning. Sometimes you everything is set out for you. The problem that I think the problem that I think I have and I know everyone's going to have a different problem is finishing things it's the fact that lists you have a good idea and you get excited about something and then you leave it so lists lists blow out and it's not just a matter of you know oh it's it's scatterbrained it's the fact that other stuff actually it's the fact that other stuff actually takes over so you need to identify what goes wrong with the process that you have to do. Are you putting out other people's fires all day? Is that actually what you is is that you, is that what you were expecting to do? You need to find the interface between the tasks that are being given to you and the way that you know you solve tasks. Now, if I get small jobs now, I mean, I got something to do today where someone called in and said, "I need a problem with this. I've got a problem with this data thing." I'm in from 11 o'clock tomorrow until like the rest of the time and then we've got weeks and weeks to do this. When do you think my meeting is to solve this problem? 11 o'clock tomorrow. Yeah. Because if it doesn't get if it doesn't get solved, it's not even, an, it's not even something that's in a hurry. But if it doesn't get solved, uh, it's not going to, it's not going to go away. So the idea of rolling it in the idea of rolling it in right now can't happen. So the the first thing I have to keep in mind for the way I work is getting rid of stuff. I like I like it when things go, go discrete things go away. So I try as hard as possible to work on one thing at any given point in time. Some people have an amazing ability to do an hour and a half on this thing and then switch to something else and then keep going till it's done. But if you are driving a, a, a process, the thing that doesn't get done unless you do it, then you have to be absolutely monolithic about reaching the end point of it. Even if it sucks and you get to the end point, if I finish the analysis, oh, we're absolutely sure that we can't do anything. I say give, so yourself, the, give yourself the credit anyway. You've got to be obsessed with finishing things. So you'll, pu- you'll push other things off the table. And even if this thing takes you half a day, a day, you will just get that thing done is that yes it? yes the other thing that that's obviously going to interface with what people expect from you you have also to look if you you should find yourself past a certain point in any career i feel and i you know i hate giving people advice but i believe this very strongly some people are really terrible at protecting their time from other people you can put your hand up to all sorts of things, yeah? And you can be as agreeable as you like. But you need to master the fine art of like 
I've always thought of it like this. When you can say fuck you to someone and they say thank you. Yeah? So what I mean is, James, can you do this task? Uh, I don't have time to do that task right now. It's not realistic because I'm doing this other thing for you that you need more. Now, I'm, I've just said I'm not doing it. Yeah, but the frame is... I mean, the frame is what's happening. It's not disingenuous. It's just it's just a thing. Uh, when you are... Far too many people say, oh, yeah, I'll do it, and I do it when I, they get around to it. It makes things difficult to plan. Mm. Uh, nothing will piss off... Even a sane, sensible, pleasant manager that you like on a personal level will get annoyed as soon as humanly possible the moment you start becoming unpredictable um i mean ex expectations are, are so important yeah it's bad yeah look i'm not i don't have amazing like nose to the grindstone knock your head around sorts of work processes because I value tasks that are not like that. I I, I try to if I've got the if, if the solution is think really hard about it and come up with a better solution or bash your head against the wall solving something, I choose the throwing the pen at the ceiling option because I'm I'm only really interested in being paid to be clever. I'm not interested in being paid to do a matter of process that's that's all really so mm. i mean it sounds silly as a motivation but you can reduce things to that sometimes i don't know mm. how much good advice i have about how to keep work hours in perspective because that is i understand the concerns that other people have but I, I will lose it completely and lose all perspective because sometimes I have no desire to have any perspective if there's something that's interesting to do. But I mean, that comes back down to like, if it's something that's interesting, that's your call and your decision that you want to yeah, of course. pursue this thing. And you've been, you, and the, you know, I've said this a few times, especially last week, don't, you, the idea of telling someone is like, well, you know what you need to do? You need to go out and be obsessed with it. It's like saying, do you know what you need to do? You need to wear nothing but batik print moomoos for the rest of your life because you need to love them. No, I don't. You can't tell people how to feel. You can't go, you need to be obsessed with it. What, what you're saying is, when you say that, you mean you need to pretend to be obsessed with it. You need to act as if you are obsessed with it. That's like stalking. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's emotionally weird, you know? It's, who, who's, who tells someone who's not obsessed with something to go out and be obsessed with it? <laughs> it is stalkery, isn't it? It is. It's very sort of, it is very stalkery. There's an emotional instability that's implied by that. Anyway, look, I've, that's plenty of... I'm not known for my fantastic high-level togetherness <laughs> a lot of No, but you've gotten to a place, you've gotten to a postdoc, so obviously you've done something right. Ish, yes. Yeah, you're there. You, you've, you've published a lot of stuff and, uh, and, and done it well, so I, I think, uh, you know, there's definitely some stuff in there.
Yeah, yeah, look, probably. Um, I like, I have the opportunity to work from home a lot and I like that very much because office, oh, look, there's, there's a lot of good things about offices and there's a lot of bad things about offices. A lot of the time when you spend too much time at home, you, there's, there's things you miss. You go, I just, I, this feels antisocial. This feels like the, the, the wrong kind of, like, I have the wrong interface with ideas. You just want to talk about something. You want to kick it around. Sometimes you open your mouth to talk to someone about something and realize that you solved your own problem in the middle of the conversation without them saying anything, which is the strangest thing, but it happens all the time. That's when you bother me on Slack. I can tell you're working from home because I'll get like, hey, Dan. <laughs> Do I ever start a conversation with, hey, Dan? Yeah, I'm sure you have. Or to, so, so, the the James version of that, which is some some racist epithet, and then you just sort of that's not for... fair. <laughs> I think "oi peasant" would be more yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, a little bit little bit more straightforward. A racist epithet. Ah, <laughs> oh. oh, here's one from the other day. Finnish people talk funny. Okay, well, fair enough. That's yeah. sort of <laughs> that's halfway. That's but I, I I I do totally agree with um the 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 flexibility of working from home is great. But you need the social aspect and you need the um you need yeah, the, the if you can aspect. if you can mix it up. The moment you need to pull back and you've got a, like an office full of people that talk and people who need to have, want part of your time and there's stuff going on and there's some talk that you can go to and you can ah uh, if you have the opportunity to pull back and write, that's great. Uh, if you get in tunnel vision and spending too long working on an individual task and you have the opportunity to get out of your bubble and go and feel more normal, also good. Having the, mm. I'm infinitely more productive when, if I was always at home, it would be not so good. If I was always at work, not so good. The fact that where you can actually, when you have that ability to choose the environment, um if you're we're, we're both if super, you're super lucky in that regard yeah exactly but also um i get way more done like this mm. i you know it's better obviously this is I mean, this is also not possible if you have if you need physical apparatus to do something <laughs> you know bring the centrifuge home your, what are you take, talking about take your centrifuge home and the, and the, and the minus 73 are with you Bring your bring your participants <laughs> in the living room. Take take samples there. I Run was... your whole body experiment. <laughs> I I know a woman who's becoming an ecologist. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hang on. <laughs> My friend Bald James has an enormous beard, and his fiance is becoming an ecologist. And so I've started to I've started to refer to their relationship as her bringing her work home with her. <laughs> Which, if you've ever seen a howler monkey in the wild, is slightly too appropriate. And he doesn't listen to my podcast, so he's not going to get angry <laughs> with me. Um, I'm not quite, I should probably not find that so funny on the recording and calm down. Uh, why don't you say something anything sensible at all, Dad, so I don't literally expire? Look, I, I, I touched on it um, earlier in the episode, this, this whole experiment I've been doing of how much work it can actually do. And the way I've been doing that is, um, is, is actually splitting up my work using the Pomodoro approach. 
where you work for 30 to 40 minutes, mm. um, then you switch off all the socials, all the cybers, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> get writing, do do yeah. your stuff, and then you take and then you take a, f- a five ten minute break. Then yep. you hop on and you, you do whatever. Check your email. Hop on Twitter or Facebook or the news. And do you know? Do, do you know why stuff. I stopped? Do you know why I stopped doing that? Why? Because the time periods weren't long enough. I didn't. I, the, the, the problem you I can kept them. having. Yeah, I, I could never. I could never get it right. I realized oh, okay. that it was. Uh, I think it's if you're writing, I think it's infinitely better for writing than for other tasks because a lot of the time you can put that down and and go away and come back. But I've been working on some code recently for a reasonably big task and Pomodoro-ing it is was not, you know, that was no good. So yeah, I mean, oh, there's, you, you, things things like that can be fit to task. It also I'm shit at coding, so maybe things just take me longer. <laughs> but I found uh, for me, forty minutes is my sweet spot. Forty minutes, ten minute break, just do okay. that back and forth. And right. from doing that, because um, that's that, why it's that's so hard, hard to doing... harass you over the internet because you're in the middle of your tomato, and all I want to do, t- all I want to do, is show you some paper from some people who should be embarrassed about it, and how, <laughs> how, how much of the oh, sea they I've, should be. I've always, I've always got time for that for those kind of messages, but that has worked really well for me, um, and uh, I've actually used that as a way to measure my work and productivity. I'm not really measuring it by how many publications I'm getting or. Um, the stuff that I'm actually putting out there because those things take forever. We know that you submit yeah. a paper and it can be like six, eight months. So, but that's it also using... like, hopefully, hopefully. I know this is still partially. Have you ever been in a uh, talking in a uh, any time I'm in a meeting and someone says, Where should we send a paper? Where should we send this particular thing? And someone else looks up the impact factor of the journal <laughs> while you're that, doing yeah. that. Part of me wants to just like reach out and flick them on the tip of the nose, like they're like they're a dog that pissed on the carpet or something. You've got to, what do you what do you what do you know? What do we know now? We've done this. What happens now? We've got our little brick. Where are we gonna? Where's our? Where are we gonna look good? What's gonna make us look good? Ah, What's the highest place we can send it. That's you know, the uh, special yeah. place. We've got to send it to the very special journal for special boys. Fuck's sake. The, the, there's always that dance. So. Rather than actually measuring, you know, impact factors or the amount of publications, I, I actually measure the success of my week by how many Pomodoros or how many minutes of actual focus work I did. Yeah. And if I look back and go, cool. Sometimes did, people um, are your, sometimes people are paying you to not do journal articles. So like, how much yeah, stuff sure. are you getting done? It's important. Mm. It's very important. Yeah. So I might that, start that's doing it. For, I might start doing it for writing. I think I'm going to get one of those little bobblehead timers and um and 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 call it Dan. <laughs> just just not nodding away. Dan, but the doing little, that little timer. Doing that having having apps that block news websites and social media on your computer. Um, there are apps that do something similar for both iPhone and Android. Um, best one for iPhone is called Forest. You can do timers, and if you actually pick up your phone, it it, it sends you it shows you messages. Go and put your phone down. And you can actually do custom messages, so wow. you know you can you can give yourself little messages and motivating you to put your phone down. Uh, but finally, on this, so thing, hang on, you have to pick I... your phone up to check your messages to tell you to put your phone down. No, no, no. So you pick your phone up because you've forgotten you're meant to be working, and then the, the, once you unlock your phone, it'll go to the app, and the app will say, "Put put your phone down. Stop wasting time." 
the app will tell you. And then once the time is down, then then you're good to go. I'd end up shaking that just to annoy the app. Yeah, you probably you probably would. Uh, but f- last point on this, um, what I actually do is um, uh, rather than actually doing a tally of, of sometimes during the day what I've done, I do a tally of the times I actually avoided procrastinating. So I go to pick up my phone or I go really? to just oh, this faff is, around. This is very advanced, Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying everything. I'm trying everything. And then at the end of the day, I'm, I, can, I can look back and I can go, cool. It's almost like a, a um, rather than a getting work done tally, it's a how much time I avoided not getting work done tally. And um, I can look back and go, cool, I avoided procrastinating 10 times a day. Nice. And just have mentally thinking about that. Uh, do you really actually helps, do so. this? Yeah, God, for real. you weird. Yeah. Whatever happened to just doing stuff? Yeah, I tried that, and then I uh, the, the internet came. I'll tell you, oh, if, the fair internet, if the internet was around <laughs> as we knew it when I was yeah. in high school, I I would have done horribly for my end of school exams. But the internet was sort of just in its fledgling stages when 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 we were in high school. Just your your, your MySpace and your ICQ was happening. Nothing like the. Uh, the the meme tastic world we live in today, where we- just a wep- new- weaponized Uber distraction. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, uh, next point we want to get onto uh, before we finish the episode is how do you actually avoid getting into the bad labs in the first place, which expect you to do these oh, crazy man. hours. That's James Heather's. Yeah, that's that's hard. Look. Um... First of all, you you can't be you can't be too put off by things that you can't actually plan around. Like if you've ever been in a situation where everything's fine, and then grants don't come through, or money runs out, or something changes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, first of all, you have to accept that people who are under pressure and the people that you work for will occasionally be under tremendous amounts of pressure. Um, none of them want to see you go. A lot of them are out there trying to protect your jobs paradoxically by being a dick to you while you're in your job and you feel like leaving it so there's a certain point science breeds a certain kind of stress uncertainty that other fields are yet to fully catch up on so i don't think there's any way to unless you work somewhere really well funded and you've got amazing workplace provisions and protection etc except maybe some some of the places in europe but beyond that, any time you go to a place, you need to talk to the students and the junior people there in the absence of the PI. If you're looking for a prospective place to work, you need to talk to the junior people and you need to talk to anyone who doesn't look like they're forthcoming with their opinions by themselves there's a lot of stuff that people will only tell you when you're actually talking to the you you, you, when when you're talking in that particular kind of environment if you want to find out what it's actually like and you if you want the actual unvarnished truth of what the work environment is like you need to talk to the people in the work environment by themselves now i've been in both of the following situations one is good one is a big red flag when I said I wanted to do this, well, actually, I only had in mind that I was going to say I wanted to do this, and the person I was interviewing with suggested that I do it. 
that is what's the opposite of a red flag? A green flag? <laughs> a flag? The, the, the check, checkered flag? A flag with a smiley face on it. That's a very good sign because no one has 1984 level control over their employees. When they say, <laughs> I'm comfortable for you to discuss the work environment I have created in private with my junior employees. What they mean is this needs to be a good strategic fit for both of us. You need to have a solid look about the environment that we have here, and they're serious about your experience of it. On the other hand, if they say, why would you want to do a thing like that? Or this isn't a priority for your visit here. We're going to do talky-talky something else, etc., etc., and it can't actually get done. Uh, first of all, chalk that one down to fuck you, I set my own priorities and get the damn emails of the people in the lab. Okay, nothing will tell you as much. Oh, this is like, I'm only going to make this one point. Nothing will tell you as much about how everything goes down and what then your estimation on a personal on a personal level, sorry of what the other people who work there are like and what they think of what it's like. So good things to look for. Uh, do you have students or postdoctoral staff who've got children who also don't seem like they want to self-harm on just a normal level with people? That's a, if, if someone does and they're actually managing to balance their life properly, that's generally a good sign. That's a great uh, thing. I hadn't actually thought of that before. Oh, it's a it's a it's a good makes complete it's sense. A good tell. Um, look, they they may have any number of other reasons, but if you personally, people want to spend time with their choice. It's perfectly possible to work a, a uh, to have a, a modern balance to life where you try and do a ton of stuff at the same time. Uh, I also say beware of homogenous labs. Is everyone of any particular demographic characteristic if they are they all the same yeah mm. uh can result in some pretty weird boundary settings and that goes for anything and all of the above yes if you have a laboratory and it's nothing but like literally insert anything as just them i mean even even if you fit yeah, I would be. Uh, that's it, it. It that comes along with its own cultural practices and expectations. Um, I would be. I, I would be. Not not like oh god, what a deal breaker! As much as uh, I wouldn't go. Whoa, what the hell is going on with the balance here, man? It's not not a question <laughs> like that. As much as you need to realize that that will that will come with its own sorts of standards. Um. Yeah, look, you've uh, students have left as well. If you can, if you can find them, anyone who was a student and then now isn't. So actually been through, got done with the process. Anyone who's had a bad experience will be super happy to tell you. Mm. Yeah? Anyone who's had a good experience. No, I can't think of any reason of someone in that situation will lie. Yeah? Anyone who's had a good experience will probably also be super happy to tell you. <laughs> um, 
things things are people people a lot of the time end these situations quite polarized and the other thing is is like if you have an expectation on what you can and can't do if someone says uh say for example um we're really short on resources but the boss is nice and you've got the freedom to do this and there's a series of challenges xyz that's a that's a realistic thing not like everything's fantastic or oh secretly this person beats me with a rattan cane in the corridor at half past three every day is not going to happen either um so that's realistic what you can other people will say yeah look pi honestly a lot of the time isn't close enough to the work to know what he or she is talking about um makes a cock of himself in a meeting uh because you know trying to participate but doesn't know what's going on a uh, huge pain in the ass or you know she's a total micromanager and she'll be all up in your shit all the time all of these are realistic things to say but they're also capable of being managed yeah you need the right kind of expectation and then you need to be, which is really difficult if you're in your mid-twenties sometimes, you need to be a real fucking adult about how all this stuff is balanced with how you interface with it. You've got to discover that shit real quick. Um, truly, really properly toxic people will be pointed out by someone. Yeah? The vast majority of the time, I do believe, if you're going somewhere, especially if there's more than one PI or there's a network of PIs and they're, you know, they're shitty people, someone will point that out if you ask the right question. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it can be tempting or in the situation, you go, I want a job, I'm going to get me a money. Yeah, look, I know that feeling very, very well. And even if you're in that situation, you go, well, I have to take this job because I got rent and cat biscuits and shit I need buying here fine however know your enemy that's it that's all i know i'm out of words that was uh yeah that that was good i don't really have much much more to add there we've obviously we've talked about this before (laughs) so we see eye to eye on this because this is a process that both of us have been through over a period of years Mm. so you know I imagine that what you think is congruent to that, and you probably would have said it quicker and nicer. No, I I totally agree. And a lot of it comes back down to just making sure you're on the same, uh, same level of expectations. Um, Mm. If if you want to do, you know, those crazy hours and, um, and you're fine with that, then, then, then that's good. Um, But then just, just knowing what is the normal thing in the lab here. And I, I like uh, a few more PIs are actually making their lab procedures. Um, they're putting them online, making them transparent. So um, I saw with our episode that we did a few episodes ago about um, the reproducibility, uh, the, the manifesto of re- reproducible science. Mm, uh, yeah. One of the co-authors um, he mentioned that, yep, my here's how I do hiring, and here's how I do my lab. Look, you know, ch- check out our lab manual, and it was fantastic reading through it. I would so want to join this guy's lab, um, just going through the lab manual about you know this is how we do stuff you know this is the, these are my expectations for students and 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 the, these should be the students' ex- expectations of me and it was super clear and it was fantastic um, and you know th- those are the kind of labs you should be going for when they have that complete transparency of this is how we do things and when the roles are clear about what each person should be doing yeah love it that was fantastic so that that kind of stuff is a the the opposite of a red flag whatever we whatever we decided on 
Um, and yes. just, is there an un, just, is there an unread? There's got to be an unread. Un the unread flag is 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 a good sign. And just just having a look at their work and just seeing whether your work is congruent, not in a um you know we do the same topic type of thing but you know if, if you're interested in, in, in open science and it's clear this lab isn't then you're going to be butting heads and you're not going to have much luck trying to convince the pi we need to do everything open if they don't really have a history of it just little things like that actually know the yeah. place and, and know yeah. the um all, sure. all that kind of stuff yeah obviously i mean then things things are like very carefully read the previous output of the place you're going to work at yeah. And if you find that it helps. painful and embarrassing, um, consider alternatives. Mm. Yeah, shit. <laughs> we have uh, run out of time for today. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Keep on doing comments on our uh, iTunes page. Um, like our page on Facebook, Everything Hurts uh, podcast, and follow us on Twitter on Hurts podcast and yep. keep sending us in comments and messages a lot of messages go around to dan's from... house and steal his mail yeah <laughs> yeah what's that, keep that it's uh it's 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 the podcast fan so yes keep on getting in contact with us um we love it and uh yeah. we will be back well, so soon, but that, it's, it's like if you're, if you're if you're listening and you want to you want something to you've got something to add it do makes it. it really easy to do a podcast. <laughs> Send us the so, stuff. So when, when dad's... Then dad. <laughs> so I got an email from my dad earlier. Um, and it was extremely funny. Uh, he, he walked into a he walked into a door. Um, it's on my mind. <laughs> when when dad says it's easy, uh, and he... And he it, well, when he says he loves it, what he means is it, it makes it much easier and he doesn't have to think for himself. That's great. It is fantastic, oh, isn't it? Every, everything helps and that goes yeah that goes double I you know I get enough I get enough thinking at home ah alright bye see you see you James <laughs>